That doesn't need to be this awkward. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Hyphenate Project, Natasha Allen. Uh, thank you for agreeing to be a part of the show. <laughs> this doesn't have to be so awkward every time. It just is. So, you know, maybe I'll like, cut all of this out and then we'll just dive. <laughs> we, do it. we just dive right into it. <laughs> just dive right like, in. One, two, three. Here we are. And I'm Natasha Allen here on the Hyphenate Project with Chumika. And I am the alleged guest tonight. The alleged guest. I kind of like that. Yeah. That probably will stay. Let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> Who are you? before March 2020. Um, where were you? What plans did you have? What ideas were you grappling with? And I asked this because I, in the US, March 2020 sort of marked the start of the pandemic. When and everything COVID. changed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it was interesting because actually the week where uh, the US shut down i was in the middle of an interview mm. um safe to say i didn't hear back um <laughs> i think that they were just realized that they didn't have the budget to bring on this new role mm. that they previously didn't have um but before the pandemic um this was my first full year out of college i graduated may 2019 and i did not get any of the jobs that i wanted i th had a vision of where I would go and my pre-planned life and stuff and mm -hmm. just didn't go the way I was supposed to. Um, graduating from Penn, um, having <laughs> majored in economics, I kind of like had a, mm. a vision of just like, okay, I'll go sell my soul for a few years, then go to law school maybe, depending on. Um, and then I didn't get <laughs> a job that I wanted and I ended up doing news uh, through my mom, which I did not like as well. Um, I just hate news. Um, <laughs> I prefer my mom just to give it to me <laughs> and not actually like have to work with that timeline. Um, so I went mm. back to that and I was kind of feeling stuck for a bit and I kept on applying for other jobs. I got to like the last round for like Goldman Sachs job <laughs> and then they're not, not picking me and they picked actually someone else that I know because it's my friend's uh, close friend uh, but she's not working there anymore because she quit <laughs> so like I could have had that job no um, but it was just like I was kind of like focused on things that I um, thought I wanted mm. and um, then I guess I was tr still trying but I kind of got uh, beaten down because um, I was scared to apply for more jobs because that mean, meant rejection and just getting all those rejections um, was just like kind of like I would, like it brings your spirits down and you kind of like think maybe I should just stay at this job um, mm -hmm. but I just knew <laughs> I wanted out and then the pandemic happened while I was interviewing for a job which was uh, doing basically um, finance stuff for a basketball team um which i love basketball um and i was just like this would be great the pay wasn't great but it was just 
a job that I felt like I would enjoy more than doing news. Mm. Um, but lo and behold, um, March 13th, I watched a basketball game and one of the players tested positive and the NBA shut down and then um, mm. the world shut down. And I just remember um, being actually at work um, when they announced that the NBA shut down. And I was just like, what? is happening (laughs) and I just knew that like when that happened I was just like oh gosh this is this can't mean what it means and I think it was just everything just stopped and I I had already felt like my life wasn't like moving forward the way I wanted to like at least like professionally and like where it was because I didn't want to be in Los Angeles either Mm. I wanted to move to the east coast because that's where all my friends were Mm. and also just and more of an East Coast person, I think. Um, but then the pandemic kind of just exacerbated that feeling of like feeling stuck. Whereas like I felt like the rest of my friends were doing stuff and like moving on with their lives, and I was just kind of like, you know, at a stop. Yeah. No, it's interesting that you talk about that period before, like the start of the the pandemic um it's like the time you remember or associate with like feeling stagnant Mm -hmm. um did that change when the pandemic actually started i mean probably not but i guess how (laughs) okay so that's you know pre-pandemic but then you we go into it and you know you talked about that job like the job that you were applying for no longer hiring essentially because everything stopped um so how did that stagnancy or that feeling of stagnancy like feel during or as the pandemic evolved um i think when the pandemic first started i was kind of like really bummed because i knew that that meant like a stop to progressing my life the way i wanted to Mm -hmm. but then as we like went into the pandemic and like everyone was shut down and some people like lost their jobs mm. some people work from home and it was just kind of like a stop to like what everyone was doing that kind of <laughs> made me feel a little better because <laughs> not only like was I stagnant but like everyone else was feeling the same way whereas like before the pandemic I was like I felt that my friends were moving mm. on with their lives whereas I was stopped but then now we were all stopped in like this one time where we couldn't go outside we mm-hmm. couldn't travel or like do certain things that we wanted to um and there was kind of a comfort in that mm-hmm. where um we just all um stood still for a while but uh with the pandemic also um my body just decided to malfunction a little bit um, in the sense that I got diagnosed with, um, stage three cancer, um, July, 2020. So it was pretty early on first little wave of the, um, uh, great depression, uh, <laughs> that was COVID, that is COVID, that will be COVID. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just that kind of overtook my perspective and like life and whatnot um and a lot of people I think felt alone during the pandemic and stuff and I think that cancer kind of um heightened that feeling for me because um 
going into the hospital and doing treatment at the hospital, um, we were not allowed to have visitors. So it was just me and the hospital staff and it kind of felt very much um, lonely. I just felt like I, I don't know, I was going through it alone. Mm. Um, I had support from my friends and my family, but it was just, they couldn't understand exactly everything that I was going through because they weren't going through it. And I was happy that they weren't going through it, but also kind of felt like certain things they wouldn't understand the way, um, you know, I was explaining it to them. So certain things I wouldn't say just because I didn't want them to worry. Because I was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. You know, I'm just having these depressive thoughts. But it's not like, oh, I'm going to give up or anything. It's just everything um, was just going through my head. Um, and um, I was even more scared of getting COVID. <laughs> so, like, when COVID first started, I was just like, oh, it's okay, if I get COVID, I'll probably survive. And then I became immunocompromised. I'm like, if I get COVID, I might end up in a ventilator. Um, so kind of like this shift of feeling young and invincible and feeling just more fragile and having to be more intentional with how I spend my time, with who, in what settings. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone was kind of like trying to be careful and whatnot, but certain people um, went to islands and partied um, in the midst of a pandemic. And I was just like, are we not in a pandemic? And I'm like sitting in a hospital bed, like, what's happening because um, this was pre-vaccines pre, -vaccines, pre mm. basically any breakthrough on how to treat it um a little better but treat yeah. it COVID better <laughs> but yeah yeah <laughs> you obviously is have my cancer function <laughs> 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 no you you obviously have such a unique or yeah, more unique journey through this, um, or through the pandemic and everything than, than most people. And to hear you talking about, like, going from, like, stagnancy and then, like, finding, like, that small comfort and, like, well, everything stopped, so, like, everyone's kind of stopped. And I feel like that's very relatable. Like, I feel like I felt the same way when, like, I just graduated and I'm like, I have no job. Like, I, in normal times, people would have been like, what are you doing in, in, in the fall? I would have had no answer because <laughs> I had no clue. Like, nobody knew anymore because of the pandemic. Like, cool, relatable. Yeah. But then you talk, then you now have to deal with with, with your cancer. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it was, like, crazy to find out that you had it and that you were going to be dealing with it. And, like, there's a there was a... I'm sure everyone felt like a sort of helplessness in a sense. Um, I'm really glad you had good support around you, but I'm also mm -hmm. sorry that you, there are parts of that that you had to go through alone. Yeah, it was kind of wild because I just started with a new therapist. I want to say four, three weeks before I got diagnosed. So it was like beginning of July or end of June. And we had like discussed the goals of therapy and how like I was dealing with anxiety and depression, like just most of my life but then how I would always like push back things that I really wanted to do because I was scared of you know some like what would happen after so like with my job search I was just like I'm not applying to jobs because my resume is not ready and then she's like why well, is not your resume ready I'm like I'm scared too <laughs> like 
edit it because like that means that I will apply and then I'll get the rejection that I was going through like right before the pandemic and stuff um so she was just like okay we're gonna like um make um you know uh an action list like okay so like by the next session you'll do like one bullet point like just make it small just so you feel like you do something uh because I also felt like I got anxiety over like not doing things and then Mm -hmm. like the thought of doing it it was just like something was there was like a mental block um and I was working on that and then like by my third session she was just like okay so how how are we I'm like I have cancer (laughs) 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 Um, she's like oh and I was just like she's like so that changes (laughs) <laughs> you know our goals and everything I'm like I'm like yeah and I was going through with um a mentor like professionally that was going to help me like with my resume and stuff and whatnot and I was like delaying things and I was just like oh I, I can uh, have this done for her like later because I was just like so distressed over uh, my diagnosis and then I was just like wait why would I focus on getting a job when I have to focus on staying alive so like I was just like hey I'm sorry but I have cancer (laughs) um and like I have to like focus on the treatment and stuff and she like totally understood it obviously because she was like she was literally just doing me a favor by like helping me um um, get a job or like help me with the process and whatnot um and I told her like thank you for like everything I'll take everything you said to heart (laughs) <laughs> whenever I do start applying for jobs again because um, all that kind of like fades away when you're thinking I'm like okay well my primary focus is to um, stay alive I'm 23 um, and I don't want to die yet <laughs> which is a very interesting feeling to have when um, there were periods of my time where I'm like I want to die <laughs> and I still had some of those feelings but as soon as like they tell you you're like well you have stage 3 cancer I'm like never mind I want to stay alive <laughs> <laughs> kind of like shifts your feelings because you're like maybe I don't want to die <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe I mm-hmm. there are things that I want to do um, so it's just my mm-hmm. most of my pandemic was basically trying to stay alive and just focusing on that and um I didn't feel so much bad about you know I mean there was certain thoughts in my head that were just like well um I'm delayed in my timeline for what life is and whatever and what I I had foreseen for my life but then sorry that was a little (laughs) silly bless you thank you (laughs) blessed (laughs) um but yeah so it was just like slowly throughout the process of uh, chemo and radiation and surgery I started like shedding the notion of like okay there's no like I don't have to do a certain thing by a certain age just like because like life doesn't really work like that because I was just like oh I don't want like if I go to law school I want to start law school when I'm like 30 Mm -hmm. uh, was my initial thought but then with everything like everyone like reassessing life during the pandemic and me doing so much more because of cancer I was just like there's no too late for anything um as long as you're still alive um (laughs) so I was just like okay well I'll just take it time by time and I said it's stage three at least it's not stage four and the reason why (laughs) I laugh um is because 
boom, boom, boom. A few months ago, um, uh, after being in remission for a bit, I found out that I have stage four cancer because it spread to my lungs. It used to be in my knees and now it's in my lungs. So, um, changes yeah. your perspective even more because now you're just like, well, I thought I was done with this cancer. I didn't get a year um, apart from worrying about it. And now after we set life again and re-examine um, and Omicron makes it so much more fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying not to get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like there are like a few ways to go, but I guess to clarify, what's the difference between stage three and stage four? Um, staging for each cancer is different. Um, so for, um, I have synovial sarcoma, which is a soft tissue sarcoma. Um, and the staging depends on several factors. Um, for example, like it'll do size of tumor, but then also like the extent of the disease, if it's like in one place or like if it has spread. Um, and for me, for stage three, the reason why I'm on stage three is because I had it in my knee and it was super huge. Like if you see it, I'll see a picture of it. It looks like a heart. Like that's basically how big it was. And it was like in my knee and because it was that big, uh, but it hadn't spread, it was stage three. Stage four, the reason why stage four is because now it has spread to my lungs. So usually when the disease spreads, it goes up at least one stage. Um, mm. So I went from stage three to stage four. And I'm just like, oh, final level. <laughs> Let's see if I beat it. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, do some off-kilter jokes um, because oh, that's yeah. how I deal. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Well, thank you for clarifying. You did say when you were first diagnosed, you were letting us know over, over Instagram and maybe other social media platforms that you were like, I'm going to make jokes about it. That is how I cope. <laughs> and you have. <laughs> um, I guess in what ways, because I know like you've always been a funny person. <laughs> um, but then I guess you also had like a TikTok or you were on TikTok kind of like dealing with um, your cancer that way. So really, yeah, I guess like how did your huber help you in that time and like what were you doing with it um and like yeah be, did being on social media like help you in certain ways cope did it hurt you in other ways <laughs> <laughs> all of the above <laughs> um i realized that i was just i was posting about my cancer and um i remember like i did uh a video and then like it got I think up to like a thousand likes and I was like, whoa, <laughs> and I was on like, TikTok? that's wild. Yeah. On TikTok. And people were like, oh, like we're praying for you. And like, people were like very supportive. And I was like, wow. I'm like, maybe like, I know like I kept on like posting and then I wanted to get a, to a thousand followers so I could go live. And I was like, oh, please. Like, I was just like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I got a thousand followers and I went live from my surgery and I ended up not getting a thousand followers by the time I had my tumor resected. Um, but I did shortly after. And then there was, I think, one video that I made that, like, blew up and got, um, like, a million views or something. And this was, like, in December. 
and I remember it and I was just like whoa like this is great um and people <laughs> were finding me funny which I'm like yes I am <laughs> I'm like no, it's not just the cancer making me funny but how I'm able to make jokes out of situations <laughs> that are serious but um it just like made me feel you know happy that I was just like okay people are appreciating me and whatnot and then there was one fateful video where I started getting very much hateful trolls um where I made it in the hospital and also went viral um and it was just like there was like the sound going on around this like you love God I love God what's wrong with you and I was doing that like as a joke because like I am an atheist but then I was just like oh me an atheist um um getting diagnosed with cancer like oh you love god i love god <laughs> uh to like make fun of like how you know sometimes like when you don't believe in god and stuff and like something bad happens you're like wait a minute what if what if uh yeah yeah they she is real <laughs> and then you're just like oh wait so like that was a joke and people are like you're mocking christians so i'm like i'm literally mocking myself mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. like i'm like you guys could be right and I'd just be, <laughs> be like, oh, die of cancer. <laughs> so, like, and then I had to, like, explain. And people are like, you don't have to explain to them. But some people are like, and then someone said, I hope it's terminal. And I was just like, that's mm. such a wild thing to say. And, God, like, those comments did not, not make me, like, really feel bad about myself. And I, like, would, like, respond to them with, like, uh, funny, like, videos and stuff. And people are like, wow. Like, you're so strong to, like, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, but, like, the ones that did, like, give me, like, a lot of anxiety. And, like, I was in the hospital at the time, so, like, I couldn't really sleep. Mm. People were, like, blowing up saying, like, you're blocking Christians. And, like, I was just, I was just like, no, because, like, I hated, like, being misunderstood for, like, the message I was doing in the video. And I was just like, I don't want people to think that I'm being disrespectful I'm, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to me. I'm like, disrespectful. <laughs> if I'm ever disrespectful. I see, so it's kind of like, that was hard. And then I would go live and I'm like, oh my gosh, 60 people on my live. I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And this uh, one person saying, she, she was just like, black lives matter, but not yours. And I laughed so hard. Because <laughs> there's some hate comments that are like funny. <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, cause, like, I would, like, rate them, because I'd be like, hey, this one is pretty good. Um, and then there was one that was just, like, they were like, oh, I'll buy you a coffin. I'm like, that's so nice. <laughs> that is so nice. Coffins are really expensive. <laughs> so, like, I would, like, ex- uh, like talk to them that way, and people are like, why are these, like, these hate comments are, like, not getting to you? And I was just like, well, it's because, who are these people? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know them. It's like, it would be worse if, like, my friend was just like, I hope it's terminal. Because I'm going to be like, we've been friends since. <laughs> what? It's high school. Like, what? I'm like, you hate me. Whereas, like, these people don't know me. And they're like, I hope it's terminal. I'm like, that's that just reflects you as a person, not me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people are like, wow. I'm like, I wish it was like that. And I was just like, I don't know. Maybe you just realize for certain things, um, it's not as important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just like, uh, their opinion of me doesn't really matter unless they feel like they offended them <laughs> and like they have like actual grounds and I just don't want to be misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting like lesson on, you know, social media in general, like going yeah. viral or like even wanting to go viral. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there, you could get that. But I think it's so much like, it's like, 
even like 10 times because you're actually dealing with an illness and for people to say those negative things the person who actually told me initially about this was my older sister because i'm not on tiktok which she is and she was like and she sent me the video she's like this person has has cancer but like people are in the comments she's like i thought this was hilarious but people in the comments like dragging her i was like that's the top <laughs> Yo, that's not just the first <laughs> like i know her we went to school together she was like what oh wow <laughs> but i was like wow people suck it was funny yeah. <laughs> i know the tiktok in question was funny i'll see if i can leak it anyway but yeah okay um we've been talking about like you dealing with cancer and that you like it's that'll like kind of always be tied to this time in a sense i mean that just kind of exacerbates it a lot more um it was probably even later in my body before the pandemic anyway (laughs) keep going (laughs) um on top of all of that i guess i kind of want to get a better idea of your like timeline too but before that um speaking of like end of may into june 2020 there was and like that's how this whole podcast started the murder of george of george floyd um and the like heightened protests around the country um for racial equity and um like and to like systematic inequality essentially um and the rise of like black lives matter protests everywhere um and i remember thinking how unfair it was <laughs> that <laughs> on top of everything else that like we were going through as a nation we now have to be protesting this too but also it was sort of a nice thing to be in this moment where we could actually question these systems that we were just so used to living in and like weren't actually benefiting us and were actively harming many of us especially minorities and you know other people of color (laughs) in the u.s um but yeah when all of that began to unfold like what were you dealing with as well or what were you like what were you thinking oh this was my pre-cancer um (laughs) time but um i remember when that happened and i don't know it's just when if like the news first broke you're just kind of like feel a little defeated mm-hmm. you're like again and mm-hmm. always like this will keep happening and it's just but there's like a shift that like felt like i'm like okay maybe something will happen um because no matter how much you lose hope there's always that little linger mm-hmm. um, that um life could be better that uh, the justice system can get better um society can get a little better um but when that happened i just remember i um paid close attention to my non-black friends and like to see like what they were posting on social media what they were doing um and there was like one of my friends that i noticed um hadn't posted about it at all um, hadn't even checked out on how I was, um, which, like, all my other friends really, like, they were, like, Tasha, how are you with all of this? And just, like, you know, like, must, like, be tough, like, she's, like, and they were, like, sharing resources and, like, actually, you know, trying to help, um, donating to, um, uh, grassroots organizations, um, but then this one friend, she, 
just hadn't done anything um and she would like still post but like post like selfies of herself or like something like or just like things that are like fit her aesthetic and I was just like I texted her and I was just like um it's very like memorable that <laughs> you haven't like said anything posted anything and um and she was like well I do work in news like you know to be like on my so I'm like um several other people in our organization have posted it, even if it like just relates to like a news story that we're covering because this is a big news story and you haven't even posted about that mm-hmm. um or any resources that are like um more like non-political whatever um and she, it just like became kind of like obvious that even though she was a woman of color she uh well she still is <laughs> uh, <laughs> latinx um but um that she like didn't really have that like need to help um and she was kind of like i don't know i feel like there was like some apathy there and i was just like okay and i was just like it feels very like hurtful and stuff and i'm kind of stopping friends with her um because <laughs> i was just like this is i'm like you're not you don't care about my life like i'm like do i not matter um and um yeah that kind of like stood out to me um and i just remember like seeing other people post and i remember they were like i'm black at tasty and she's like if you post a picture of you in a bikini like don't post anything at all <laughs> i'm like i do not want to see a non-black person smile today i'm sorry <laughs> it was just like it was just social media like sometimes it's just what we see and um kind of rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way during that time um especially if like people just totally ignored the moment mm. i was just like are you not seeing mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. um and then when it came up like about brianna taylor it was just i was just like you're still not gonna say anything um and you still don't say anything and i'm no longer friends with this person um wow. but yeah yeah they know who they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that really does categorize or it's like a case study for that moment because I feel like so many people were experiencing the same thing where like you have your friends or people who are posting and like engaging with the moment or actually like actively participating in it and taking a stand and then the other half was like the people who stayed quiet uh and it was an interesting moment because it did seem like there was some, I, I feel like I've heard others refer to it as like virtue signaling that yeah. felt uncomfortable for some people to engage in. And that's like something that needs to be explored on its own. <laughs> but, but like the total lack or the apathy that you mentioned. Yeah. Like, um, I feel like that's worse. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people did stop being friends with other people yeah. in that time. And, and like, I, and barely because yeah whereas I feel like well one of, one of my friends was just like I went to my third protest and I was just like I was like oh my gosh are you okay because they were like shooting at people at, mm. they're like it was just rubber bullets I'm like well one person lost their eye so it's not just rubber <laughs> bullets. I'm like I'm sorry um, I just thought it was interesting to see 
how people would like talk about um the protest because they were like oh it's riot and rioting mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. oh so not really and like sometimes there'd be people that you know who aren't a part of the original protest that just like took advantage of it and just like started like looting and started um breaking stores and whatever and i thought it was like very interesting because um people would like blame it on the cause and like just say like oh these rioters blah, blah, blah. and i was just like well the thing is while i don't agree with violence but sometimes violence is a part of a revolution um and i'm not saying that like as in, like we should do violence <laughs> but it's just like when the american revolution happened we wouldn't we weren't saying like oh my gosh why are you bombing the motherland or like why are you shooting against the brits like you are british like people like we now see it as like wow we won our independence and like the fact that you know it was independence for (laughs) white men um and we still haven't like gotten that autonomy like fully in the u.s as black people um and then that like there's like this other and still going on even though like some people are like yeah, like, you know, like, I think that, like, they're for black people in a sense, or, like, we're not against them, but then just does, like, there's, like, a disconnect, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, they're, like, I wouldn't say a tier or, like, ranking, but there's, like, some people are, like, I hate black people. But then there's some people that are, like, I don't hate black people, but they're, like, but I don't agree with this and all this, 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 because they don't see the full picture. They don't. And I think, I mean, made me really think about, um, I guess, I was thinking about uh, politics in general, and um, it was very interesting to see the virtual signaling by Democrats also. (laughs) Um, I remember... Um, the pictures of the Democrats with, like, the, like, African... <laughs> like, I knew what you were talking about before you even said it. Yeah, no, I, it's just, like, I was just, like, okay, well, and then here you guys are, not, like, like, your allegiance in the end is to what keeps you in power mm. and to what makes you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but they were like, look, we're wearing these because we believe in black people. Look at us taking a knee. I'm like, you go, Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> but also, what have you done? Because like, yeah. sometimes um, what comes with moderation um, just continues oppressive systems. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to be more radical. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. And <laughs> the 2020 election was also part of that 2020 <laughs> cycle um mid-pandemic and um as well because everyone was like because when people were cheering for joe biden they're like yes like joe biden i was just like i wasn't so much yes joe biden i was more like yes no trump <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah and then like with everything that's happening now um it's just they're like oh maybe not joe biden <laughs> and i was like well he joe biden is this this is the same joe biden though it's just like 
Uh, look at my eye. That was Donald Trump. Wow. <laughs> sorry, they're so alike sometimes. <laughs> I... <laughs> no, because it's funny because like Joanna's like, oh, you know, black and brown kids can can uh, be just as smart and bright as uh, white kids, and I was just like, or like poor kids. Like I was just like equating brown people to poor people, and I was just. I'm pretty sure also he voted for some questionable things um, back in his senatorial days and stuff that weren't good for black people and stuff. So I'm like, he's still this person, by the way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just, you know, taking everything with a grain of salt, but then also being aware of the white liberal. (laughs) Because sometimes, because I think that's kind of like what I got out of like that watershed moment with uh, George Floyd and like the protests and stuff is just like the some people um, embodied like white liberalism but like in a bad way mm. um, because it was kind of like focused like oh like we should have this 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 and like they kind of like centered themselves in a dialogue that mm-hmm. should center black people. Black people wow yeah I could have probably formulated that better if I <laughs> knew what I was going to say, but this was just what I was coming yeah, no, on no. my mind. My gosh. No, I feel just like... wait you... for my essay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, I think you touched on, like, a lot of what I would have asked or I've kind of previously, like, Perfect. asked <laughs> in other <laughs> interviews. Like, yeah, you've really... You've also kind of covered or talked about what you saw during... What should the calendar be? Like, March 20 to, like, we're in January 22 now? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's almost two years. Yeah, from then to May, June, July, really, like, um, with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, and then and then cancer. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was having a year. <laughs> More than most, yes. And I, like, somehow always forget um, that November 2020 was when the election happened. I I think, like, l- sometime last year or in 2021, I was asking my sister, like, who was the other option? Like, why is Joe Biden president? And it was, yeah. like, it was him or Trump. I was like, oh. Yeah. But, like, yeah. the thing is, like, it wasn't always him or Trump. It was. It was because it was the Democratic Party just wanting to push Joe Biden down our throats just so we could have him saying like, oh, let's leave COVID up to the States. <laughs> I was like, you literally said, you gave all these promises. I knew he was going to like backtrack that one too because I'm like, I'm like, he's a moderate. He's not going to keep any of these promises. <laughs> I already know. Yeah. And then when that happened, people are like, what? Why is he like this? I'm like, because he is like this. Because <laughs> yeah. people like will go more left or more right when they're running. But mm-hmm. then once they are in office, they're like, okay. <laughs> not gonna do anything <laughs> priority shifts priority shifts i guess yeah but it's, it was wild because also november 2020 was also when my tumor was removed it was a uh, wow and i turned 24 wow it was my kobe year <sighs> and kobe died that year. <laughs> <laughs> i why i don't know why i'm laughing at that i actually cried that whole day um i found out kobe was dead so um 2020 started off really well for me and ended really <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. with me in a, you know, yeah, he, uh, yeah. in a brace on my knee and stuff and trying to learn how to walk again. It's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. 
that's and that's understatements still <laughs> yeah and then i told myself 2021 is gonna be better um and then in 2021 i got re-diagnosed with cancer and i was just like <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna say that 2022 is gonna be better because it's probably <laughs> i'm like night let's not say <laughs> <laughs> july 2020 you're diagnosed um going through treatment pretty much through all of that and then november 2020 i get my tumor removed and then january 2021 i get another cycle of chemo february another cycle of chemo and then after that treatment's over Mm. until next week (laughs) is when i start treatment again when were you diagnosed for all right it was pretty recently yeah in september that's when like my ct scan came back not too normal like there were some lesions like really tiny ones and they're like hey we don't know what this is yet so we're gonna wait eight weeks to redo it and if they grow we're gonna do a biopsy so they i found out in like october november Mm -hmm. that they had grown um and then they're like okay so um like look we'll see if it's cancer Whereas the person that was going to do my biopsy was like, it's probably, it's, it's sinoviscular, probably. It's, it's probably, it's, it's cancer probably, by the way, I think this is growing, but we're going to like make sure that it's like the same cancer. And then in November 19th, also always around my birthday is when I do surgeries apparently, because mm-hmm. last, like in 2020, uh, the 24th, which was three days after my birthday, I had my tumor section. And then the 19th this year or this past year, wow, 2021, mm-hmm. um, I do a surgery to remove some lumps from my lung, and woo, two days la- after, it's my birthday, and I'm in bed taking pain medication. <laughs> and it was 25, my quarter century. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Let's make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh track. Laugh track. Ah, 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 ah. Add it. <laughs> Okay. So with all of that happening, I remember you talking about, well, I remember you kind of making like a joke basically on Instagram that was like, why is it so expensive to stay alive from cancer? Maybe it wasn't a joke. Maybe it was just like a literal question, but, um, I mean, I, I, a lot of my, like what I studied in school or what like my case studies were for like my courses or my degree were all rooted in healthcare just because American healthcare sucks or at least how it's structured and how expensive it is <laughs> or just how your outcomes are determined by your your income yeah. in a sense what was it like pay, like paying for your cancer th- treatment through the pandemic American healthcare um is not really for the individual <laughs> um yeah. and it, you see like people pay for their treatment in a variety of ways even gofundme which i know you you did have and maybe you yeah. still do have but um so i do did actually have a gofundme don't anymore because i was just like how embarrassing to get cancer again and ask for money again um that was kind of like a me thing um but <laughs> yeah i didn't initially want to do a gofundme because i think I felt weird asking for money. I'm like, I should just, this is my life. I should um, worry about it myself and whatnot. But then my friends were like, no, we'll set it up for you. I'm like, we'll do it for you. Um, mm. And it was really nice. Uh, a lot of people donated. Many people I didn't know. Um, 
and that actually helped me like put me at ease uh, because our um, out-of-pocket for 2021 was pretty high mm-hmm. uh, or not that out-of-pocket the uh, deductible and actually ended up meeting my out-of-pocket mm-hmm. at maximum the first month of January because that's how expensive chemo treatment is um, but it's just wild that um, the hospital rates the healthcare rates are so inflated mm-hmm. because there's no reason why without insurance an oncology appointment where you just literally establish care should be nine hundred dollars mm-hmm. and I actually ended up having to pay um, money just because um, it wasn't in my uh, insurance like we're in the network so I had to pay out of pocket for that but I still don't regret going to UCLA and like having to pay out of pocket because like my mom's insurance wasn't um through the their medical group um because I did need a second opinion because um the (laughs) doctor I had um with like my mom's insurance like the medical oncologist that was gonna like take over my case I was just like so have you ever you know treated synovial sarcoma and he's just like no, the, uh, but I've read about it, and I was like, I need someone that's actually had experience, like, not just be like, oh, like, you know, I heard this or heard this. I'm like, I can hear things, too. I can read things, too. I need <laughs> someone that's actually, like, worked but, yeah with synovial sarcoma patients. Um, and UCLA had plenty of uh, experts. They even have, like, a sarcoma board. Mm. Um, so I was just like, okay, this is where I need to be. But mm-hmm. um, going back to paying for it, um, I think that the cost ended up not being the problem for me too much because I did have the GoFundMe money to uh, help with um, those costs. I think the problem was when my insurance would deny me co- uh, coverage for life-saving things. So there were times where my chemo was delayed because they asked if this was medically necessary. And I was just like, I have cancer. It's, of course, medically necessary. So, like, my doctor had to basically fight my insurance to get things approved. And then I didn't end up getting a full body scan because they said, your cancer's in your knee. You don't need a full body scan. But then they were like, well, we at least need a CT test because we need to see if it's spread. So my insurance was very, like stingy with that and I think Mm -hmm. it's like very interesting that you can get denied life-saving care just because insurance doesn't want to pay for it um and it's very like interesting just because I grew up in a country well I'll say now but (laughs) um I grew up in Sweden um Stockholm Sweden I was born and raised there uh, from zero to 14 um, and their healthcare, like there's no insurance per se, the way uh, the U.S. has it. It's just standard coverage for everyone. Um, <laughs> essentially, free healthcare. Um, you might like pay like um, $150 a year and just get covered for everything. There's no like, oh, we're not gonna do this. Like we're gonna deny you coverage for this, this, this. Like cost doesn't um, factor in that way. 
um, which everyone's just like, well, why didn't you get treated in Sweden? Um, and I was just like, well, because most of the experts are here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the, there are clinical trials here that are more evolved here. Um, and I just trusted more to um, survive here mm. than in Sweden. Because, like, I did have, I do have a really rare cancer. It's, like, one in a million. Um, it would be different if I had a normal cancer. I shouldn't say normal, but, like, more common <laughs> cancer, like breast cancer, lung cancer, uh, even, like, colon cancer. Then I would just be, like, that I would have, um, you know, considered Sweden more. But also... Um, I don't like being in Sweden too much. I mean, like, I don't hate it. It just brings back um, some uh, memories of the past because uh, I am black <laughs> and Sweden is predominantly white. Um, everyone, when I'm here, always, uh, they're like, Natasha, how are you black if you're from Sweden? And I'm like, this is giving very much mean girls, like, if you're from Africa, then why are you <laughs> If you're from Sweden, then why are you black? Um, but I was just like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. immigration doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just think it's um, interesting because, like, we also talked about race also and how that faction, like, and how that's changed in the pandemic and mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. Um, I think that my image of myself was better definitely than the image I had of myself growing up in Sweden Mm. so in Sweden you know I was always almost always without fault without uh, any exceptions like the only black person in my class I remember my school that had like 600 people I think there were like five black people um and it was also darker than my family so um I think the way I saw myself was just like oh like I wish I was lighter I wish I was this 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 and I was just not um I kind of like hated myself for not fitting in whether like it was looks wise or personality wise um but also I never I didn't like try to act white or like any race or anything I just I mean I did straighten my hair um (laughs) to a to a fault but that was just the society back then like we didn't we didn't have our natural hair <laughs> revolution quite yet. it was like relaxed just for everyone yes <laughs> yes um so i think that that wasn't so much swedish specific but it was just like kind of like because um, like i would come to the u.s and be like relax <laughs> um like your hair is so thick and hard to work with we need to do relaxers um, yeah, yeah i was the la- last relaxer i had was like when i was 13 or whatever and i was just like oh thank god because <laughs> my hair was thin um but yeah it's just i think me as a black person i always felt like um on the outside but then coming to high school, there were, like, black people there, too. Still not as uh, diverse. In high school in... Beverly Hills. Okay, now they... Yeah. Mm. But um, I remember, like, there was, like, this one black person. She told me, she's like, no, you're not black. And I was just like, what? I'm like, what is the skin color I'm having? <laughs> um, and she's like, you're Swedish. And I was kind of like, I was othered here, too. And I was just kind of like, 
made me feel off-putting because like I was never accepted in Sweden and then to come to the U.S. and then I meet some black people and they're like well you're not one of us either and that kind of like that distance kind of like made me feel some type of way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because I didn't fit in a certain box or stereotype um, and I was just like um, I can be Swedish and black at the same time because in the end I'm black first <laughs> I was like before anything I'll always be black mm-hmm. and second I'm a woman but you know <laughs> the black first always mm-hmm. um, it's probably like the identity like that is that uh, precedes any other um, mm. and it was just I don't think like it was like hard hearing that because like I didn't like understand how um I was as a black person mm. because I was like oh if I'm not like the others then am I not black um and I think that that was like really hard but then um in college it's like where I really came in and I was just like there's no no one way to be black I'm like I am black I it's not like I'm like oh I hate you black people I like love black people uh, whenever I see black people succeed, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, um, and I was just like, I realized that the people that would alienate me from, like, my own community are, like, people for the community if they can't accept the people mm. in it. Mm-hmm. Just because they don't fit the um, vision or, like, the picture they have of a black person. Mm. Um, and I also was more comforting in college because um I met um black people one of you is you (laughs) (laughs) but like that you know didn't necessarily also fit into that box that um the girl in high school had seen as like oh this is what a black person is um and then I realized like I'm like why would we reduce ourselves to like a monolith like oh Mm -hmm. this is how we're gonna talk this is how we're gonna speak this is how we're gonna look like this is how we're gonna dress this is what we're gonna listen to Mm. um because that's not how we see like white people because white people they get to be their individual but when it comes to people of color especially black people they're like oh this like when I think of a black person it's like this one person (laughs) like this is one stereotype that's what a black person is whereas like a white person can be funny, a white person can be preppy, whatever. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. Ratchet. <laughs> they can be white trash. <laughs> like, they, like, they get to the range, but, like, when it comes to black people, like, why mm. would mm-hmm. people, you know, see them as just, like, one? Whereas, uh, like, whether, like, you're in the community or outside of the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, it kind of, mm-hmm. like, made me, like, see it that way. And then... Um, and then, like, in the, with what happened over the pandemic and stuff, it's kind of, like, even though we all are, all are different, there are certain issues that affect us all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. like, seeing that um, for black and brown people, they were dying of uh, COVID at way higher rates mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. the white kind of, uh, counterparts. It's just, yes, sure, like, we're all different, but, like, there are certain issues mm-hmm. that are only felt by us as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and like why is this happening and then like just being more aware of just all the problems that we face as black people versus what other races notably white people 
not trying to uh, how we go <laughs> walk walked out on you, but just it's just how uh systematic racism <laughs> and whatnot works, but um how there are certain things that are not experienced by other races mm-hmm. um that we experience uniquely um and just like kind of like even like with having friends that are not black just kind of like navigating how to just be like hey so this is what I went through and they're like oh my gosh I did not know that like is you know you can't fault someone for not knowing if they haven't lived it mm-hmm. and if they haven't been seen like uh, but like you can judge someone about how they, they receive your perspective how they receive like what you tell them and your experiences so I know that there are certain things that I was like oh yeah you know when I was in Sweden I was in seventh grade like we went over slavery in Europe and there was a um um a poster from uh, the 1700s or whatever that my teacher showed and it said Negro for sale and my friend turned around and said hey that's you and everyone in the class looked at me the only black person and it's just like I said that and um my friends were like appalled they're like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm like it's kind of like what life was as mm-hmm. the only black person in a class like where people are ignorant and people say things um even in high school freshman year I was in bio class and every time the lights turned off this Indian kid he was just like whoa where did Natasha go and it wasn't funny the first time and it wasn't funny the 17th time <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, and after a while, I was just like, it's not funny. He's like, oh, but you can see, like, whenever, like, I'm in, like, red light or something, like, oh, where did I go? I'm like, it's not the same. I'm sorry, but, like, I'm like, I'm not trying to rank racism. <laughs> but this is not the same. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, so just, like, I think in college, I kind of, like, started thinking of all these, like, microaggressions and whatnot mm. and stuff. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But apparently I'm not black, according to that one person <laughs> in high school. Even though I, uh, I, I don't know, I, I look at my skin all the time. I'm like, I'm very beautifully black, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, look at my skin. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love what you said about um, that kid, like, earlier. Like, or talking about that girl, that if you're, like, not, you're not really of the community if you're not for everyone in the community and i understand like you know like not all skin folk are kin folk mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah know. i i do understand like not all skin folk are kin folk like i don't know if i would be like i love you candace owens <laughs> um, but you know you just i think that if your actions align then you know how you present or how you talk, what you listen to, like, shouldn't just be, like, the factor where you're, like, you're not black. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm, like, if I'm for black people, I am black. Mm-hmm. Why am I not black? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, why am I not accepted in the black community? Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm a black person that's, like, I don't know if you watch Django Unchained, mm-hmm. but the butler, <laughs> 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 Jackson plays, or whatever, that was just, like, um... C O O N. It was uh, in the worst way, where like he was for white people, and he's like, I probably hated that he was black because he was like, I should, I serve white people, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. like, um, 
that's a different story. I'm like, I've never been <laughs> that person. Uh, I think I've been traumatized enough <laughs> to oh my gosh. sell my soul like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think it's very interesting. Because, like, there are certain places, there's certain people, um, even within the community, that I'm like, um, you don't need to appeal to white people. Um, actually, you should just appeal to yourself. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's important um, is not so much val- like validation from um, white people. Um, and I think, I don't know, there are certain people that might fall into that more Mm. but you can't decipher that just by the way someone talks Mm. or where they grew up Mm -hmm. it's Mm. more like about like their actions their beliefs Mm -hmm. um how they treat other black people Mm -hmm. you know how they see other black people Mm -hmm. um but in the end (laughs) even if they might be an antagonizing force they are like they're their race is their race are, uh, is black and they might be like oh i hate black people whatever they're still <laughs> black they're <laughs> <laughs> not i'm not that person but like in the end i candace owens is black yeah yeah, yeah. and there there was actually like a white person saying like oh like this like candace owens should like have like she, she shouldn't be considered black or whatever and then all the black people were like it's not for you to decide i'm sorry but <laughs> yeah stay out of my <laughs> you can't just be like this person can't be in this community I'm like you're not in the community you're not the gatekeeper here <laughs> you can't speak on this <laughs> you can't speak on this I'm sorry <laughs> so I just think it's like very interesting um, but I would also say that that girl in um, high school she also couldn't speak on my blackness yeah I'll ask a few questions then we touched on a lot yes yes we've done a lot <laughs> um and maybe you've touched on this already, but have well, you... you didn't listen? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. How have you? How do you? How would you summarize like how you feel you've changed over the course of the pandemic? And then next to that, how have you seen society change over the course of the pandemic? Um, I don't know if society. Okay, well, let's start with me. Um, mm-hmm. over the pandemic, I've prioritized myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think cancer has a big part of that because I can't really talk about the pandemic without talking cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it's made me realize that sometimes it's okay for me to put myself first because usually, like, I always, like, worry about how others feel and, like, always, like, extend myself to help. Then I'm like, well, sometimes I need to help myself. <laughs> and, uh, making... I start feeling less guilt about doing things that make me happy and like that don't really like hurt anyone else like to instead like might can't cause an inconvenience for someone but like they'll be fine and just like you know kind of thinking more about what what I want um but then society <laughs> um I think well changed our um sanitation habits because <laughs> uh, some people were gross uh some people didn't wash their hands um they had to be taught how to wash their hands uh, which is wild <laughs> i was like yeah about this 
happened in like daycare um <laughs> but on a bigger scale i think that it didn't so much change society as it exposed it um how certain people can be blatantly selfish in the sense that when it comes to um doing something for public health individual rights come first uh which is very very different from what um i would see like how society should be as in like sure like it's your right or not to have a vaccine or to or, or whatnot but in the end the vaccine might not be so much for you but for like the greater good and then how some people don't really care for the greater good as much as other people um i however i'm a vaccine junkie so I <laughs> but, no i uh I, I think i got like vaccinated when i was younger against like Mumps and rubella three times when I only needed like two doses, but it was just like, eh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we forgot. <laughs> but um, I think it's just, um, I don't know. Sometimes people um, hold on to their personal liberty a lot for things that are smaller mm. than need to be. Because um, I remember with like people like very anti mask, and I'm like, it's a piece of cloth or a piece of um whatever they're made of <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know what that's medical master point. <laughs> that's a good point um, actually yeah I was like yeah that <laughs> but just like that they're like oh my body my choice and I was like I was like but you're also the person that will be against abortion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm like the, it's like the people like you see people come out and just you know, find ways and like a lot of misinformation spreading. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the pandemic has not so much changed people, but more like mm-hmm. exposed mm-hmm, certain mm-hmm. people for like who they are and whatnot and like what they're willing to do for people um, other than themselves. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. And then also kind of exposed or government. Um, <coughs> Uh, in the sense that they're like capitalism means more mm. than certain less. Mm-hmm. So five days after, <laughs> <laughs> you can go to work after five days. If you have COVID and you are a nurse, come to work with a mask. <laughs> we need you. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Which is just like, yeah, it's just the disregard for human life. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. What happened? I, I mean,. Know. I mean, the, there's been disregard for human life since the uh, beginning of civilization. It's <laughs> <laughs> just manifests in different ways. So now we saw it when it comes to a pandemic. Damn. I mean, yeah. There's been disregard for human life since the beginning of civilization. <laughs> yes. It just manifests in different ways. Ooh, well, yeah. That's interesting. Because like, my next question would be based on i mean that's like you know that's that's really look that looks really like bleak honestly (laughs) and maybe exposure is really important to how we move forward um yeah but thinking about like maybe this is just kind of the same thing that we've always done 
or, you know, we're kind of repeating the same cycles that we've always existed in. I want to ask, like, you know, where are we going next? Like, or in spite of everything that you have just mentioned (laughs) in terms of society, like how, I I guess I, I wonder, so maybe the specific question then is like, what is the, what are you hopeful for? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not my, my death. My face fell. <laughs> no, no, not my death, but um, in a sense, um, this is gonna this is gonna sound really bad. But once these people in power get older, mm. either retire or die, I'm hopeful for our generation coming into power and stuff. I know that there we still will have. Um, you know, some people um, that are just going to be reiterations of our um, corrupt politicians. But I feel like with everything that the younger generation has gone through, um, recession, um, pandemic, just all of um, Black Lives the Matter and everything, <laughs> just like we've gone through a lot. And I think that... Um, that gives me some hope uh, that when um, they replace these old heads that there could be some change but I think that um, the trepidation I have is um, whether or not they'll keep their like the momentum and because after someone's in power for long enough they kind of focus more on the power than the change they want to make when they first came in office mm-hmm. or when they first mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. started a company first started um, a movement so I think that it's just I'm hoping for a turnover <laughs> I don't want to see someone be in office for 60 years mm-hmm. I want them I mean I will we have term limits for that probably not <laughs> uh, because no one wants to give up their power but mm-hmm. I hope for change and um, some people to be more radical not you know because sometimes if you want change you can't just do what you've always done which is kind of like what's happening with um, or what's been happening with our society Um, Mm. the only times we've gotten change real change is when you disrupt the status quo Mm. whether or not it was like civil rights movement whether or not it was the civil war i'm like i'm not saying we need a civil war but we need some, we need something different well there was a pandemic this was a pandemic yeah. and no one did <laughs> exactly so um for the next pinnacle of um our timeline mm. someone uh something needs to change yeah. and i'm hopeful that someone will be tired enough it's not just someone some people and movement Mm. will be tired enough to change it. Mm-hmm. 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 And that's what I'm hopeful for. I'm not <laughs> looking into the future because in the end, there's always hope for the future. There's always hope for the future. Yes. yes. Well, I want to ask you also, what, what do you want, y- on top of that, what, 
do you want your life to look like? Or what do you hope for for yourself? What are you excited for for yourself going forward? I hope to survive <laughs> until I'm at least 40. Um, no, but... Um, I mean, yeah, no, I feel like you dealing with the cancer that you've been dealing with, like, that definitely does color your, like, yeah. what you're ex- uh, looking for a want in life in a way that's, like, kind of typical for most people our age. Yeah, part of me is just hoping that there will be better treatments and I'll stay alive for them and you know um improve my quality of life and then some part of me is just like wait would they ever cure cancer if it's a billion dollar industry because money comes over it always goes before lives um so it's just you know um I am I'm I'm more on like the side of there will be treatments to at least stay semi life and, and if not like, if they're not going to cure my cancer, so. Yeah. Um, I say that with a smile, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess other things? Are there other things you want to do, look forward to? Um, well, I've been think- going back and forth and be like, mm, I guess I'm not going to law school because <laughs> I would spend three years of my life studying when I could be living and like I'm like what if like by the end of the three years I'm like oh well I'm dying in 12 months then it's like all for nothing so it's just like how to bide my time and like do things that are like gonna make me happy because like I feel like when you go back to school um and you don't know how much time you have left it's kind of like different than like oh I'm going I'm just spending three years because like if you don't have, like, a disease, like, way over you, then you're just, like, I could make it to 100 in three years, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. three years could be a chunk of time for me. And I don't know. Because I don't know if I'm living two years, five years, 15, 20, I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't know, but it's more, like, I really just, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can't get out of <laughs> because of my body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hope you live a long time. <laughs> I mean, I hope I live a long enough time. Yeah. I mean, like, not, no time is ever going to be enough. Because, you know, there are always going to be good shows coming out, and I'm not going to finish them. <laughs> I was like, I was like, literally, when I got cancer, I'm like, oh, I hope I get to finish the show. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to stay alive for Insecure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need to see you. Like, not Insecure ended, and I was just like, oh. I'm like, I need to stay alive. <laughs> That's pretty but funny. then I'm like, I need to stay alive for my little brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know, he depends on me. <laughs> I mean, I'm his bestie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Natasha, for That's being. That's a very this. interesting way to. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? Where do you go from there? But I don't know. Where do we go from anywhere? And with that, <laughs> with that, it's the end of the episode. <laughs> this is my <laughs> Thank you, Natasha. Thank you.